0: This is Leafs Morning Take with Nick Alberga and Jay Rosehill. Now we got a fight started here right off the bat with Rosehill. 30 minutes of live, non-stop Leafs talk starts now.
1: All right, what's good? Presented by back Canada and Montana as it's the Tuesday edition of Leafs Morning Take. Nick Alberga and Jay Rosehill who is preparing for a trip to Sin City this coming weekend. What's up, buddy? We're doing good, man. We're going to bang out a game tonight and then off we go to
2: the big lady city of sin, apparently, but I'm going to try to keep it
1: clean. Where are you staying?
2: The Aria. Okay, the Aria. okay that's gonna,
1: a good spot. We're
2: we're going to play a couple of rounds of golf, actually, and, uh, you know, nothing crazy. I'm not 20 anymore, so got to keep that in
1: mind. So it is an adult's playground, they call it. Uh, Speaking of which, it has been an adult's playground on the bench in the NHL for several years now. They have iPads on the bench. I I forgot to ask you this the last couple of times out. What did you think of your old coach, John Tortorella, taking the iPads away from the Philadelphia Flyers on the bench? I saw that. I also saw a thing on uh,
2: Zabinijad was looking at the iPad and I can't remember. I didn't really see. I just caught it in passing, took it and like chucked it on the ground and smashed it because he was like second guessing himself. And I think I can see how Torts would be annoyed. Like all these kids, you know, get off the ice and then let me see the iPad. And you're not even seeing what's going on (laughs) on the ice. And like, let me look at the iPad. I could see him just losing it, you know, and just yanking them right off the, off the bench. And It's interesting i didn't play with it we'd go and watch video afterwards you know we thought it was pretty cool at the time where you could go and pull up your profile on the computer in the dressing room and it would have all your shifts and break it down this way that way whatever the situation was and you know ozone d zone pretty cool you could like you used to be able to go through have to go through video on a vcr and oh my gosh it took forever i felt bad for video guys in that day and it's it's quite easy now and they make it easy for you but during the game on an iPad, looking at shit, like, you know what happened that shift, you don't have to, you know, I just think you're, I could see it being too much, is what I'm saying, I could see it being a distraction, and like, like, it would be annoying to be behind the bench and look down, and every time a guy gets off, he's like, let me see the iPad, and I'm gonna fucking watch a few things, and it's like, put it away and play hockey, right, so I could, I can understand it at the same time, it's a total Tortorella move.
1: It is like, normally I would be like, Mr. Old man, you know, what the hell are they doing? But I do think it's a useful tool to have the ability to see real game action in live moment, I think is pretty uncanny. And I think some, sometimes you just have to concede defeat and say, concede defeat, I should say, and evolve like, and that's been the one thing I've noticed with John Tortorella throughout his coaching career while he says, yeah, I'm willing to evolve and I'm going to change. He always resorts back to the old torts. Happened in Vancouver, happened on Broadway. Like it's happened everywhere he's been. And just what, halfway into his first season with Philadelphia and it's already coming unglued. I just think we're at a point in time in technology where you have ability to have a useful tool on the bench and now you're taking that away from your team when everybody has it. I just don't understand that, Rosie.
2: Yeah. And I mean, all, I, I get that too. I mean, keep up with the times. It's a tool. They're there for a reason. I can see how they could be useful. Yeah. Absolutely. But I imagine with a guy like Torts, it got to the point where it was too much, where guys are getting off the bench and just scrambling for the iPad to look at every shift and every play. And it gets to a point where let's be honest, technology can be too much. You can rely on it yeah. way too much. And a guy like Torts is going to be the first guy to get pissed off by that and make a big move and not really give a rip about you know how it looks or anything so that makes sense to me and i mean if i was a coach i would i would just hope it was in moderation if, if you need to use that tool to check something to benefit you absolutely but then i can imagine especially when you're coaching 22 year old kids they're going to become reliant on it and they're going to become these robots where off shift watch ipad go on ice off on bench watch ipad and i can that would just drive me bananas like are you a hockey player or are you you know a moron who needs to see it on a screen to process it and I would get annoyed too. So it all depends on the situation and uh, everything in moderation, I think is the answer.
1: Yeah, I think that's the proper answer too. And I just think there's uh, a tough translation from the way John Tortorella likes to coach hockey teams to this new age wave and everything you're mentioning with the Gen Z and all that in 2023. So I'm only intrigued to see what happens next with Philadelphia and John Tortorella. Remember to subscribe, tap that like button, Leave us a review wherever you're checking us out. Don't forget to visit theleafsnation.com for the very latest on all things Toronto Maple Leafs in about 30 minutes or so. I'll have my uh, my pregame coming up for the Leafs and Panthers, which we'll talk about momentarily. Thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns, drop us a line down in the chat below here on YouTube. and We'll get to that later on. Uh, don't forget again to subscribe and like and leave us a review if you can. But for now, we're going to get over the boards. All right, so news out of the morning skate. It'll be Matt Murray, uh, confirmed as a starter for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So we're seeing a bit of a pattern develop when it comes to the starting netminder for the Leafs. They're going two with Murray, one with Samsonov, and that's been a thing now. I just look for the last two, three weeks. So I wonder if Murray's starting to grab this job a bit here. He'll start against the Florida Panthers tonight.
2: Yeah, it's looking that way, I think. To start the season, when the two of them were side-by-side, side, you'd kind of look at Murray as being the number one, right? Um, older, yeah. more experienced, got more under his belt for sure. Um, so that kind of makes sense. And then as time went on, you know, Murray got hurt quite quite uh, early in the season. So they kind of switch hit for a while. And I'm not surprised at all that you're starting to see an emergence as he's kind of the the top guy and, and Sammy's right there, right there behind him so that's fine with me Murray's looked very solid uh, they both had a hiccup there a couple of, a couple of weeks ago which is hardly worth talking about but uh, Murray's been pretty solid and I think he's the front runner and they want him to kind of start establishing the confidence as that's his crease and you know he's going to have lo- tons of load management with a very capable Samsonov right behind him and you're going to be watching out to not overload his body and get him injured again but again emerging as as the starter and I, I agree agree with that. I think he's earned it. And again, I keep saying, you know, I like this one, two punch with the goaltenders and you eventually you're going to kind of have to have one guy who's kind of a little bit ahead. And I think Murray's maybe 15, 20% ahead of Samsonov right now. And that goes just fine for a, a tandem goaltender in the NHL.
1: The schedule is always fascinating to me that we're now in mid-January and this is the first of four this season against a divisional opponent in the Florida Panthers who you thought at the beginning of the year you'd be jostling for playoff positioning with, but certainly has not been the story from the Panthers' perspective, Rosie. They've really, really struggled after that significant trade in the offseason. Going into tonight's game, they're 13 points back. I mentioned that 4-1 victory on Martin Luther King Day on Monday against the Buffalo Sabres, but they're 13 back at Toronto. 11 uh, of the Tampa Bay Lightning. We'll go through the standings in mere moments as well. But it's pretty much must-win territory already for the Panthers, who are hosting All-Star Weekend in a couple weeks from now.
2: Yeah, you're going to start to see desperate teams here coming down the stretch. You know, once you get... uh you know, past, you know, the halfway point of January, you start to look at the weeks left, the games left, and, you know, there's only so many points that uh, you can accumulate when time starts to run out. So I think you're going to run into desperate teams. And I think, uh, you know, Florida is going to be that way. It's it's quite the fall from grace when you look at their dominance last year and and how good they were. And you think, man, are they going to make a run this year and establish themselves as one of the big boys in the East? And they just fell from grace first round sweep. I mean, kind of embarrassed themselves kind of unloaded everything made big time changes. And to be honest, not for the better. And now they're sitting here scrambling. So, you know, a, a, a total disappointment for that whole franchise. I think at the point right now where they're sitting, I don't think anybody's happy, but again, when the Maple Leafs are going to face them, uh, these are points you want to get from teams below you and, you know, you're going to run into a desperate team who does not want to face the the prospect of having a year as disappointing as this one's shaping up to be. So they'll be desperate to claw some points out for sure. So uh, both teams will
1: be uh, needing to be on their toes, I think. I was laughing at Ilya Samsonov's comments yesterday regarding Matthew Kachuk. I think anytime you play Matthew Kachuk, he's going to be the star of the the center of conversation he called him a mosquito and pretty much that is the game of Matthew Kachuk who to his credit has been pretty much as advertised so, so far as a member of the Florida Panthers I, I think he's been really really good all things considered but how would you combat as an opponent um you know a guy like Matthew Kachuk who you know is going to try to get spicy he's going to try to get dirty going to try to get in your grill and throw you off your game how, how do the Leafs combat that tonight?
2: Well, to be honest, I don't think the Leafs have anybody that are, you know, would let guys get under their skin. Like we're not a feisty team, we're not a undisciplined team, we're not a real physical team. We don't have a lot of those jawing guys, you know, bunting likes to to get in there a little bit. And that's kind of it, but I don't think bunting's, you know, too famous for taking undisciplined penalties or anything. Uh, Anytime you play a a team with a mosquito as Sammy calls it, or, you know, a rat is what they're called a lot. And, you know, it's funny these days, rats used to kind of be those third line, you know, uh, role players who would get under guy's skin and fight quite a bit if they had to. And now it's like some superstars on teams can have that rat mentality, like a Marchand or a, to Chuck, like we're talking about, but you know, usually when you go into those game, the, the coach is saying, Hey, we all know about what's his name over there. Let him sleep. Don't fire him up. Don't engage. Let him spin his wheels. Let him get frustrated. Let him take the penalties. And that's usually the mentality you take against those guys. But thinking about the Maple Leafs roster there's not a lot of guys that are going to you know get buy into that and start taking undisciplined penalties and get thrown off their game it's it's just not something that this this organization does at this point in time so let him do his thing out there and and just let the chips fall where they may and and, you know unless he starts to you know start to put guys in danger get near the goalie or start playing that role where you're falling on goalies and all that kind of thing then you might need someone to grab them but again he's pretty famous for keeping his gloves on and trying to draw penalties so just don't get sucked into that garbage is all i could say if i was coaching that team tonight
1: there's not much any difference uh in my world at least, to Boston and like a Brad Marchand, who's more of a mature player, I would say, in that respect now than he was maybe a couple of years ago. But they play that sort of shift-disturbing type, right? And I do think a guy like Kachuk is a, is a unicorn because he can score, he can set guys up, and he can play like a little rat and draw penalties. And I think that goes through something in this day and age, especially with offense high. The power plays and the penalties called and, and drawn these days, like it is really, really effective, not to mention there's a guy on the Leafs roster, he's pretty damn good at that. his name's Michael Bunting, right?
2: yeah, for sure, and I like that stuff. I like how Bunce is doing it. I think he could do it more. I mean it's just that ratty thing where you're out there and you just the really good ones at that that job are the guys that can straddle the line really closely. They can get close to that line. You know, you stop in front of the goalie and you're standing right over top of him. Then the D-man come and bump him. And, oh, oh, you pushed me and I fell over and I fell on Matt Murray. And then you get up and what's going on? What looking at the ref going, geez, gee. And then the ref's like, man, everyone knows what's going on, but he doesn't quite cross the line. Then the guys are pissed off. Then someone's trying to fight him. Then you get a face wash and a slash and he just goes right off. And then there's a two minute power play. Everyone's patting him on the back and just doing their job to perfection. And the Chuck's quite good at that. And, at the end of the day, I think you just got to stay away from it. But if you've are if you got a guy on your team doing that, like a bunting, I want him to get in there a little bit more. Cause more scrums, cause more FU matches. I like watching that stuff. I think it ramps up the crowd. It ramps up the intensity of the game. And it gives you more of a playoff feel where everyone's pissed off and you're not all buddy-buddy. I hate that stuff. I like it when you know you hate the guy and you just want to do whatever you can but you got to stay within the rules of not putting your team down to get the guy back and it becomes that jostling match which i just think is is fun as hell to watch
1: hit us up in the chat who is your favorite rat of all time in the nhl swerve writes in uh, essa teekan that's a good one kenny linsman claude lemieux especially with the colorado mm. avalanche my goodness uh the options are endless for sure and a couple more we just mentioned and matthew Kachuk and michael bunting So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
0: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: Rosie, as we look at the standings here in the Atlantic Division, uh, it's pretty crazy how quickly things can change because don't look now. Look over your shoulder for the Maple Leafs. Tampa wins in Seattle on uh on monday and now all of a sudden they're what two points back with two games in hand and it's on again for home ice advantage in that potential first round matchup with the bolts
2: totally man i mean you could almost say we're behind them right now with those two games in hand and yeah. you know a potential to jump right ahead of us and that did happen quick man it looked like we were very comfortable there and they've just kind of gone on a tear i guess and It's tough. I mean, there's quite a bit of separation from Florida there, but it it looks like it's going to be a battle for home ice. I mean, look at us trying to catch Boston. We're not even in the same tens column as they are. So I think that's just a lost cause. We're not going to catch Boston. And I don't think anybody could right now with the fire that they're going. They're not going to go on a slide where they're just dropping five in a row. It's just not going to happen. So we're battling the Tampa Bay Lightning for home ice advantage. Um, I don't see anything else coming of it, but these two teams playing each other. And now on top of that, we got a battle for home ice advantage. So it, like you said, things change quick for sure. That's example right there where they're nipping
1: at our heels with games in hand. Yeah. And Vasilevsky become a real factor. Unsurprisingly, Hedman's turned on his game. Stamkos thought was great in Seattle on Monday. Kucherov's in the heart conversation. They got a point. Like that's going to be a hell of a series if we do get to that point against Tampa. But certainly, And I know they lost Game 7 on home ice last year, but you want home ice in Game 7. It goes without saying, certainly, that, you know, especially going into a potential barn like Emily Arena in a Game 7, I just don't like Toronto's odds to begin with. Never mind on the road against Tampa. And I, I think your breakdown is accurate. And to that point, you can really, you know, stomp a hole in Florida tonight by winning this game in regulation, right? As referenced, they're 13 points up on them. You win in regulation. You're 15 points up. Not to mention it's a back-to-back for the Panthers. So logically, you think Toronto has the upper hand having home ice anyways. And then it is a back-to-back for the Panthers after that afternoon matinee victory against Buffalo. And I think you have to create separation any way you can. Because as we've seen time and time again in this league, Rosie, anything can happen. The perfect example is the St. Louis Blues from a couple of years ago.
2: Yeah, for sure. Things change quick and uh, you know, after that Christmas break it seems like it can be a new season and we're starting to see that with some some teams in the in the standings starting to make their move and it does happen quick, but you know, maybe it's a good thing for the Leafs to uh, you know, have them nipping on their heels because you know ever since the the get go from this season like a lot of people around the uh around the organization are kind of like oh the regular season doesn't matter yawn yawn just wake me when the playoffs are up and you know that kind of mentality can creep into the you know the, the the players as well in the locker room and all of a sudden like well what are we playing for we've done well in the season before and it doesn't really do much for us we just got to get it done in the playoffs but now, all of a sudden, there's something to play for, something to battle, something to keep working for, st- something to stay focused on. And, and that's trying to get that home ice. And with the Maple Leafs record on home ice this year has been really solid. You, you know you want to get those extra games and start the series off and potentially have the last game in your home barn, uh, you know, when you're feeling really comfortable there. Obviously, it's a huge deal. So it gives them something to battle for and, and stay focused and try to keep getting better at throughout the last, uh, you know, few weeks of the season here.
1: Montana's is bringing back the viewing party with Daily Deals in 2023. Furthermore, today is a very special day, Rosie, at Montana's. That's because they're rolling out their brand spanking new comfort menu, which which includes, I should say, tacos on Tuesday. Enjoy $5 tacos with the purchase of any beverage all day long at Montana's. I know where I'm headed tonight because, man, that sounds fantastic to me. Watch some Leafs hockey and some tacos on a Tuesday. Can't go wrong with that, can you?
2: Oh, that all looks so good right now. Yum is all I got (laughs) to say. That burger
1: is calling my name and it's 9.15 in the morning over here. We got to get a feed on, my dude. We got to get a feed on sometime soon. Maybe when Rosie comes down, we'll hit up Montana's in a couple weeks' time. January 27th is that game against the Ottawa Senators and Rosie will be in town, which leads us to some unfortunate news. So Nick Robertson, the last time we saw him was December 8th against LA, left really, really quickly. Haven't seen him since. And then it comes out on uh, on Monday that he had season ending shoulder surgery and will be out for six months. The guy just can't catch a break, Rosie,
2: yeah, just brutal man. I mean, it seems like this day and age you know those shoulders like back in the day, a knee injury like you think of Bobby Orr and those types of guys where like you that's why kneeing was such a huge deal back in the day because you tear your knee the wrong way, you're done. they don't fix that stuff anymore and now it seems like you can do almost anything to your knee and you're back in six weeks, no problem. But, uh, you know, to hear that someone's done it up so bad where you're out for six months, it's it's kind of crazy. And it took a long time to get that information out. So I imagine he was yeah. seeing specialists, flying all over the place, getting second opinions, getting all kinds of scans and MRIs and all kinds of, whatever you can get done, you, you know, they're injecting ink into you and seeing where it goes and what's working and what's not. And obviously they found that probably the worst case scenario, you did your shoulder up so bad, you can't play hockey for six months. So obviously a loss there. I mean, you know, Nick came in and, and showed some flashes of of being able to be, you know, a big contributor to this team at certain times, very young still. He's got the pedigree of his brother, obviously, who's just exploded the last couple of years. So it's a big hit to a guy. And, you know, whether you like to admit it or not, when you when you get hurt that bad and you take six months off, that's going to go you know, right into, you know, affecting next season. And it's just not good for a guy who's that young developing. You want to be getting better every day and putting the building blocks together. And you want to come into camp next year, ready to like snatch a spot and be a guaranteed staple on, on the lineup. And, and now that's kind of, you know, taking a huge step back, but you know, that's professional hockey, that's professional sports. And this guy's just going to have to to battle through it and sometimes it's the worst the worst mental test you can go through is to have a big injury and, and have to stay mentally, you know, in it to get better and to to stay on top of your game and to, you know, honestly not get depressed and not get bummed out and feel like you have no purpose and you're not part of a team. It's it's difficult on these guys and I've never been hurt for 6 months, but man, that's going to be a test. I hope he's got good people around him to make sure that uh, you know, he's keeping his head on
1: proper and, and getting ready to be be at 100% for when he is healthy. It's crappy news all around because, to that point, I think with the deadline approaching, I was viewing Robertson as a guy that a get him back and healthy and and proving something, and b maybe use him as an asset to go out and attain a bona fide stud like an O'Reilly or a Bo Horvat. Like I just I, and I and I, I don't sit here and pretend like I know how a guy like Robertson is viewed by other organizations. As we all know by now, in this market, we overplay. Our prospects more than other markets, and certainly we hype them up a bit more than they should. Uh, but that was my biggest wonder how this hampers or affects Toronto's ideology at the trade deadline, knowing arguably their top asset, one of their top assets, is now unavailable pretty much, unless somebody wants to grab I don't I just don't see that. So from that standpoint, too, it's a lose-lose situation all around. Number one, you want the player, he had some depth and he's had some shine. Uh, he's shown signs of breaking out finally this season. And number two, it doesn't help when it comes to the trade market either.
2: No, there's just nothing good about it. I mean, his value, it's kind of unfair because I mean, as of next year, I mean, come October or something, you know, he could just be totally fresh and lighted up. And all of a sudden he's what we expected, yeah. And he continues on and maybe reaches stats that are somewhere near his brother. I mean, who knows? I don't think Jason was pegged to be as good as he is right now. And look at him go. So um, but, but when you look at it exactly, you know, he's got value as far as, you know, a prospect in our organization. Can he help us now? Or can we get something to help us now and, you know, have him be, be valuable to somebody and get a lot back for him? It just so happens that when a guy's out for half a year, man, I mean, maybe you can still move him, but I promise you, you're not going to get the same in return. And to be honest with you, I don't think he's going to be part of any deal for that reason. Only like who's going to put together a deal and give away something valuable for some guy who might feel better in six months, you know, for all they know, he's going to come into training camp and, you know, reaggravate it and be out till Christmas and just be one of those nightmare injuries. So I don't think his value is going to be there. And like you said, it was slim pickings as far as how we can put a deal together to make our team better in the first place. Now you got one of the pieces that could be a potential, you know, piece to get a deal done now, probably off the table. So all around, uh, you know, rough news uh, with that development here with his shoulder.
1: Wishing a a speedy recovery to Nick Robertson, Dyna Montana's, and enjoy the comfort menu in a Molson and enter for your chance to win a trip for two to the NHL Awards in Nashville, which sounds fantastic, or a Molson-branded NHL fridge. Which leads us to the wrap-up, brought to you by our friends at PointsBet Canada. So, Rosie, I gave you another winner on Monday. I hope you're tailing. That's all I can pretty much say at this point. I had the Colorado puck line, which I'll be taking for the rest of eternity. They flexed their muscles against Detroit, an old rival, and winning that game 6-3. But tonight, we're going to look at this Leafs game. So, it's the Leafs and the Panthers from Scotiabank Arena. And I'm going back to a prop, a well I've been time and time before. I was thinking about the Matthews anytime goal. I might still sprinkle a bit on that. But I'm looking at the Nylander shot prop over three and a half, valued at around minus 115. Last I saw around there, uh, he's hitting three in a row and five of the last six. He's goalless in six straights. So it tells me he's going to be hungry. He has one in the last nine. So I would like the Nylander shot prop once again tonight, Rosie.
2: At three and a half, is it at? Yeah. Yeah, that's not bad. You seem to do good with those shot props and, uh, you know, being able to pick guys up when uh, when you know what kind of mindset they're in. And, yeah, if he hasn't scored in nine, look for him to not be on the shelf for that long as far as being kept off the, the goal column on the score sheet. So uh, no reason to think he won't be firing everything at the net today against, uh, you know, uh a competitor that you think they should be able to have their way with, especially after, you know, they've been pretty good at bounce back games here uh, this season. So expect everything to be thrown at the Florida Panthers tonight. And I wouldn't think that Willie Nylander wouldn't be part of that.
1: No confirmed starter, by the way, for Florida, Bobrovsky started yesterday. Spencer Knight is banged up. Alex Lyons, their backup third stringer. I just don't know if you're a team like Florida in this positioning. I think you throw analytics out the window and you come back with Bobrovsky. but we won't find out until around game time. Some news on the Leafs lineup, by the way, Pontus Holmberg and Rasmus Sandin will not play. Last I heard, they both had the flu, dealing with the flu. Of course, Austin Matthews was dealing with that last week. Wayne Simmons will be a healthy scratch, and Bobby McMahon is back in after illness. So it seems like it's going around the NHL right now, the flu bug.
2: Yeah, it sure does. Definitely going around the Leafs locker room. Uh, I actually yeah. had it on Monday. It was, it was brutal, but it only lasted about 24 hours. I was, uh, I was completely laid out in my bed for an entire day. And then I got about 12 hours of sleep that night and woke up feeling about 90%. But uh, as you know, the the demands on the body of an NHL player are a little bit different than the everyday guy. So, you know, they need to be hydrated. They need to have their muscles, uh, you know, not hurting and tingling and, you know, everything that the flu does to you, I don't think's uh ideal to be thrown into an NHL game. So it's kind of, kind of rough. But again, you get McMahon back in there and you mix things up a little bit. Uh, it is what it is. Yeah. You got to go through points in the season when you're giving her like that and just try to get your best foot forward and see what we can do with the lineup that's healthy.
1: It is a long season. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Sean writes in via the chat here on YouTube. Do you think Logan Shaw plays for the Leafs this year? He's doing awesome with the Marlies. I just don't see it. I think Toronto's got too much depth when it comes to the AHL. Also at the NHL level, I think I would argue this is one of the deeper teams they've had, uh, especially under Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe. So Logan Shaw, who's been a vet of those parts for a long, long period of time. I just don't see it, but uh, never say never. And again, you like the emergence of guys like Holmberg and, and Bobby McMahon's been a great story the last two weeks or so
2: yeah, there's been guys i mean your whole career you, you, there's guys in the n h in the a h l who uh, I've seen it a million times they can get buried in an organization for for yeah. a while and and they're very rightfully deserving of getting a shot, getting a call up. You look around at the at the wire and you see this guy getting called up, that guy getting called up. Oh, well, I played with that guy. He's brutal. This guy, I'm, I'm 10 times the player he was. If I was in this organization, I'd be getting called up. I'm having a way better season than this guy. Um, but you just get kind of roadblocked and all you got is what's in your what's in your system and what's in your organization. So there's plenty of times where guys are lighting it up in the American League and it's like, give him a shot. And it's like, you don't just bench an NHL player and put him in the stands just to give a guy a shot that's not how it works and (laughs) That's one of the frustrating things about professional hockey is you got to be in the right place at the right time your opportunity is everything and you know sometimes you're going to watch guys that you feel you're better than get their shot in the nhl and shine and other times you know maybe when you get your shot you get put on the fourth line and play six minutes and you don't get to show your stuff and then get sent back down and lots of frustrating things about being in the minors trying to get called up and you know as you as you just alluded to there's guys on the Marlies that are doing very very well but uh, you know, barring any major, major injury problems, they're probably not going to get their shot. And all you can do is continue to shine and build your resume and and, and be ready for when the call does happen. But yeah, like you said, I, there, there's guys that aren't going to get a shot with the depth the Leafs have this year unless we run into major injury problems.
1: Yep, such is life should reference as well. The Leafs also announced on Monday that Marley's defenseman, Mac Hollowell, who had a spin with the Leafs earlier this season, underwent surgery for a fractured kneecap will be at a minimum of 12 weeks, and certainly he's been a big topic of conversation when it comes to the depth of Toronto's back end. So, Rosie, we'll leave it at that. Coming up on, uh, or tonight, I should say, it's the Leafs and the Florida Panthers from Scotiabank Arena. another big one here in the Atlantic Division. You won't be with us tomorrow, so Three Hits with Rosie is coming up tomorrow. Can't wait to hear what your, th- what your thoughts are on this uh, Leafs-Panthers game.
2: I know. I hope something wild happens so I can have a few glasses <laughs> of vino
1: and do a Three Hits. Hey, that'll be fantastic. Great stuff. That's Jay Rosehill. I'm Nick Alberga. Thanks so much for listening and watching. Take care.